Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Hopoxia Podcast. Join us to talk about sex, drugs, and self-improvement. I feel like people that say those kind of things, like children shouldn't be held accountable for trying to unalive people or like doing those kind of things. Um, one, uh, never witnessed like bullying in real life and seen how horrible and terrible kids can be to other children. Um, and to like, aren't like have never watched like true crime. <laughs> like some of like the, like obviously a lot of like the more vicious and like terrible, horrible murderers are like adults, but the more like uncomfortable and like gut-wrenching ones are always like children that are doing those things. Like children can be just as capable of horrible things as adults. And I don't think people think of that because they're kids. And I think there is this prevailing notion that if a kid is doing those things, it must be the family's fault. Something had to have happened to them. And because I've gotten this, I've had this, (laughs) I've had this secular conversation several times on TikTok because they're like, well, I I had one ask, well, do you have strict rules? That must be why she wants to to kill you and run away. And I'm like, well, yeah sort of my strict rules were you can't harm people you can't torture the pets like am i saying you can't wear this and you have to have straight a's no because we were like at we were having a parent down here you know on basic humanity um but in her head that feels the same as if my parent was telling me you know everywhere I could go and who I could talk to and what I could wear. Right. So like, you're, there's you're a lot of projection that happens. Do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> right. And so I think there's a lot of projection that happens. And so people are like, well, this is what it would take for me to do that. So that must be what's happening. And I'm like, but that's not all of our brains don't work the same. Yeah. Um, I actually just watched a true crime thing today where oddly enough, where a child, like, he was, like, 18 or 20, but it was a kid that killed his mom and his little brother because of his strict upbringing. And, like, it was not, like, the actual murder, because it happened several several years later, but, like, it was on an episode of Why Swap when that was the thing. Like, his family was in the What is that? Why Swap. What is that? Did you never watch that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Most of it wasn't, most of them didn't end in a murder, thank God, but, like, it was, like, two families that had, like, pretty much opposite kind of lifestyles. Why swap? Okay, Mm -hmm. I was not hearing, I was not processing. It's not like a swingers kind of show. (laughs) I was not processing those two words, and so I wasn't understanding what you, yes, I did see a few episodes of that. A long time ago. It was like families with two opposite lifestyles and like stuff. Basically, like the moms would switch households for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And the first week, the mom had to live by the other family's like rules and do like whatever it is they did every day with them. And then the next week, she got to implement her rules and the family had to live by her rules for that week. Um, 
and I don't really understand like what the point of it was. A lot of it was entertaining to watch, and some of it was really stressful to watch. Um, but in most of it was stressful to me. <laughs> very stressful because like this family, like the true crime story that I watched, like the family, like the mom and mostly the mom. Actually, it was like mom and husband and four sons. Boys weren't allowed to play sports because she felt it would make them too competitive and aggressive, which like that can happen sometimes, you know. Um, She also thought like the sports would make them self-centered and like narcissistic. Um, They weren't allowed to watch TV, weren't allowed to play video games, um, weren't allowed to have like candy, weren't allowed to go to school. Like she homeschooled them all for like their whole lives. So all joy was outlawed in this house. Yes. Yes. And they had to wake up at 7.30 every morning. And they got like a four-minute warning for when breakfast was ready. And if they were late, they had to pay her a quarter for every So I can't have candy, but you want me up at dawn? No. What are those? You get one or the other, not both. (laughs) And they had to do chores and household things and schoolwork and stuff to earn tokens that they could then spend to watch one episode of a family-friendly pre-approved TV show or a stick of gum. Those are the two options. <laughs> so, like, in that episode, like, the mom that got swapped into that household was like, these rules are ridiculous. Like, the way these kids are being raised is ridiculous. Like, they're children. They should be allowed to have, like, candy and play video games and stuff. And, like, in the episode... She made the boys play, like, a video game, and one of the boys left crying because he was so scared of getting in trouble and, like, breaking the family rules. And, um, like, they were all just really uncomfortable the whole time and didn't want to do it and were, like, terrified. Like, so upset the whole entire time. And then, that like, makes a few me so years sad. later. I know. A few years later, the oldest son, like, he killed his mom and, like, his younger brother and then tried to kill himself like shot himself in the head and it didn't work he was still alive and then he got sent to prison for it and like they won't say that that's why he did it but like specifically killing his mom you know kind of like hints to like that kind of thing like it being like the strict upbringing and being told all these things and like being so restricted in your life like that's what everybody thinks is like what happened and that's very much not what happened with your kid like she was expected to like brush her teeth and like help with chores that were reasonable and every kid helps with like so it's weird to me that people are like you must have had such a strict household like just and I think that's just because I know you and know like what kinds of things you expected from her like yeah and I think it's you know people it's scary to think because the, the most common thing that people have jumped in like, because I use the phrase born with psychopathy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe you all prefer the phrase has exhibited symptoms since birth, but that's a lot of fucking syllables. And I didn't think I needed to spell it out in crayon because apparently it was my <laughs> first day on the internet and I forgot. Um, and that you're saying the exact same things. <laughs> right. Um, but people, a lot of people got really bent out of shape about the idea that you can be born with psychopathy. 
And I think part of that problem is because organizations who research this and, and stuff like that do like to use the phrase, like you like say psychopathy is, which I recommend a lot, when you go to their website and they start talking about and they go through like how it's primarily genetic and all of this, and then they stick the phrase in there, nobody is born with psychopathy. But they do it because they want you to do all of those things like the extra attachment um, methods and things like that to try to mitigate that. But they don't say it that way. They say it's not guaranteed you're not just born this way and it's guaranteed that you're going, but it's like actually that doesn't undo the neurology. It might, you know, like it might, but unfortunately, American education system is people don't even understand a Punnett square, let alone advanced biology and neurology, right? So then people get hung up on it and it's really terrifying to think well, if people are born with psychopathy, then maybe so in their mind, then they're going to like the worst examples, right? The Jeffrey Dahmers of the world and things like that. Then there's nothing we can do to stop that from happening, which ignores a whole lot of layers of things in between, but it hits people's panic button. And they get really freaked out. So then they have to start looking for ways that you made them that way. And I'm like, I don't think that really accomplishes the goal that you're trying to make yourself feel better. Because the bottom line is, even if I had done something to make her this way, she's still out in the world. And, that, yeah, and the system is still broken, which is what the conversation is about, is how we need to fix the system. Yeah, like fixing the system and working on that can mitigate a lot of it. It's not going to fix it completely or get rid of things but like it can mitigate a lot of the effects and I wish people would just like think about that part instead because like that's the important part is like minimizing a lot of like the potential things that can happen because you're never going to get rid of all of it because people are going to do what they want to do no matter what but like you can still reduce some of it and I think if we would um acknowledge that this is not just about trauma no yes trauma can make it worse trauma is not good for anybody anything that you already have going on can be made worse by trauma yeah. absolutely but we also have to recognize that neurology plays a role whether it's psychopathy autism adhd all of those things and we have to take that into account and we need more research around that as well. Because, and this is a conversation I was having with, uh, I think you've seen her account, Murph, calls herself the reformed um, school terrorist from, I don't even, what was that, 1999, I think? Um, set her school on fire when she was 10. Um, and, so I was having a conversation with her last week about that, the about that, like the importance of the research and and the reluctance is well, there's only a three percent reform rate with a psychopathic profile, which I get, but it's not just numbers. In science, when we study those outliers, we learn more about the entirety. If we understand how these brains are developing and how they're working 
it gives us information that we can then apply to all of those other things. So it is a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. Now we just have, but I don't know how to convince the people in power that it is important. Instead, they're like, lock more people up and, you know, tough on crime instead of, well, maybe if we look at this, there is something that, you know, we might can do before it gets there. And that all drives me fucking crazy, too, because, like, there's so many, like, studies and research that shows, like, that doesn't fix anything. (laughs) Like, what will fix it is having access to resources, which, you know, mental health resources, food, shelter, clothing, like, all of, like, the basic shit is what reduces crime, not going to jail, where you're even further behind where you were than where you were when you went in. It's the same thing for, like, mental health. Like, the earlier you can have access to services, the more likely you are to, you know, utilize the things you learn and change your behaviors and learn coping skills that will like actually help you and not just rely on like the negative ones i'm not saying like it's always a guarantee because as we said earlier we still use not great coping skills and we know the good coping skills but like yes but at least we are focused on not harming people right uh- <laughs> like it's, it crosses my mind not gonna act on it <laughs> But I know it's funny, like, I'll say things like, you know, I want to do this or whatever. Like, I have that thought and that impulse, and then I'm like, who am I kidding? I melt when I think I accidentally hurt someone. There's no way I could do that. I haven't been, like, I wanted to, um, I haven't been able to give a tattoo in 12 years, I think, was the last time I gave one because I couldn't, I couldn't stand the fact that they, I knew I was hurting them and they were grimacing. I'm just like, I can't. Even though they wanted it. <laughs> yes! Well, that was the thing. We sat down, we did, and I'm just like, and the worst part was it was my baby daddy who was horrible and he was horrible to me, so like he deserved the pain and I still couldn't <laughs> do it. And he laughed at me like we've joked about this since. I'm like, uh, apparently, I just don't have it in me. So that's the same for BDSM, surprisingly, because <laughs> I've tried switching, and I hated it because I didn't like inflicting it on people. <laughs> right? Like, what is that? Like, there's just something in there. Too much empathy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe it's just, but maybe it is too much, right? Like. I know I developed a high amount of empathy and the ability to read other people's uh, emotions, you know, as a trauma response in early childhood. So maybe that still is an overdrive to a certain degree where it doesn't necessarily need to be. My psychiatrist and every therapist I've ever been to (laughs) has told me that I'm just hypersensitive uh, because of the trauma. And if I wasn't hypersensitive, I would have just been, like, numb to it. And I wouldn't notice the things that I know about people. Like, I can tell if somebody's angry by, like, their footsteps. (laughs) Like, all of those things. Like, you wouldn't learn unless you, like, develop those skills and, like, the sensitivity to it to be able to, like, notice those minute changes. Like, 
you kind of have to like learn how to be hypersensitive and like notice those things in people for safety purposes. <laughs> and then it just never goes away. And then you just say like, I'm just really empathetic and I love like people and I love and like I care about people so deeply and it's like, well, <laughs> like where does that start? And like, where does like, where does that end and where does it start being where I just like am doing it out of trauma fear? <laughs> right and it can kind of interfere with boundaries because I want to take care of everybody and I like taking care of everybody and where do I find a healthy place to put those boundaries and I've been working on that I've been doing better at that lately and you know I'm not trying to fix everything for everybody anymore Um, but sometimes I do wonder how reliable my assessment of where the healthy spot to put that is that boundary is um so i basically i'm saying i probably should go back to therapy um (laughs) but and i assume and i know i've talked to dr faith about this before that i know logically that you know where i you know where i the conclusion I come to in that assessment will change as I do the work. But yeah, sometimes there's a voice in the back of my head saying, yeah, I might need some additional help figuring that out. Same. I, uh, especially when it comes to like work, because I work with kids and I'm like, I have to do these things. It's for the children. <laughs> But my supervisor is very good about being like, what about for you? <laughs> and telling me, like, I need to log off at, like, a reasonable time and not work 12-hour days. Um, which, it's for the children, so why wouldn't I, you know? <laughs> I do, I did, when I first got um, this job, well, not this one, the position I was in before I got this promotion, I carried my phone with me everywhere. Because I was the only person who knew how to do the job I was doing. And sometimes they needed answers right away, right? Yeah. The sky was not going to fall if they didn't get those right away. They could wait till tomorrow. Um, but in my head, the sense of urgency was there. And I think part of that was I was coming off APS, right? So Adult Protective Services. So part of that was coming off the, you know... Yeah. role where I did need to be available because it could be a bona fide emergency. Um, but somewhere along the way, I have found a bit more balance in that. And I don't. When I go on vacation, when I'm on leave, I leave my phone, I leave my computer. I don't even take it with me. And so I was discussing last week about my upcoming vacation and I'm going to be off work for two weeks. And, she, and my supervisor said something about... Um, responding if there's you know somebody asks needs something while I'm gone and I'm like no I'm not I won't be taking my work phone with me anything that anyone needs because there is nothing I am doing that is going to risk the lives or cause harm to someone if they have to wait seven to ten business days yeah. It's just not. And I already I already canceled two days of my vacation to take care of work stuff. 
that's it. I'm not taking anything. Well, two days, one and a half. Um, I'm not taking it. As you can tell them, they will get an answer when I come back. Yeah. So I'm starting to assert myself. That's good. Doing better than me. Which is good, but like, weren't we supposed to develop this skill sometime like in middle school? I feel like way late on this. I'm in my fucking 40s. Why am I just getting here developmentally? I want, there's a therapist on TikTok, obviously. I don't Everything's on TikTok. Everything's obviously. on TikTok, and I wish I could talk about things that are just not on TikTok, but I can't because I live on TikTok. <laughs> but there's a therapist I was talking about when you people please your whole entire life and you start setting boundaries it feels aggressive and hard and you don't want to do it because it's aggressive to you whereas like with literally anybody else it's like a normal thing and they don't question it and that's a good point for other people who are used to being aggressive and pushy and like demanding those things and then when they stop being able to get it that also feels aggressive because they're not getting what they want and what they're used to. That's that's a good point because that's, yeah, I know the first few times I set those boundaries because I'm extremely conflict avoidant because, again, childhood trauma. Um, and so the first few times I set those boundaries, I was like dreading it, like internally I'm cringing and they're like, oh, okay. Like, really? What? That, that's it? <laughs> I could have done this years ago. <laughs> but, you know, in my head, the potential fallout was like, you know, Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like all Cataclysmic events will happen if I say no to something or if I tell yeah. someone I can't do something. The world is going to end. <laughs> and then it never does. So catastrophizing, not the best way. <laughs> yes, I'm very good at doing that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting better at saying no. So there's that. I actually had someone um, a few weeks ago who had been, um, I don't know what word to use. I would say lover, but it's not the 1950s. Uh, my lover. Right? Like, I, I'm hearing, like, old <laughs> movies in my head. I always uh, think about that song when I go, oh, lover boy. <laughs> there you go. Anyways, whatever, whatever he was um, for several years. And I hadn't seen him in, um, I don't know, about a year, maybe. Time is a fiction. I don't really know. But it's been a minute. And the last time we got together wasn't wasn't the greatest. And I, I don't mean like sexually, but I was dealing with some stuff with my daughter at the time. She was in residential and he said some things that I found to be quite disrespectful. Um, and so just did not really want to necessarily see him again like you know i wish him a great life and everything else i don't want anything bad to happen to him but the way i look at him is very different now and so he texted me a few weeks ago and he's going to be nearby and wanted to you know meet up and i'm just like mm, i don't think i'm going to make it 
That's huge for me, y'all. That is huge. <laughs> that has never happened before. I didn't lie. I didn't make up an excuse. I'm just like, no. I didn't over-explain. That's a huge step. So much progress. I didn't even, I didn't even recognize myself. Sometimes that's okay. <laughs> but it was good, so I was like, that's wonderful. A big, fat, giant step on the healing journey. Yay! So <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And to be sure you never miss an upload, make sure you turn your notifications on. And please come join us on social media so we can continue these conversations in between episodes. You'll find us at Hopoxia Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.